and live from India, Belgium, and the Netherlands, it's ZN Live. With all your digital questions today, we have a fantastic guest, Dr. Ted Van Essen. Here, tell us more about our guest. Yes, Ted is a famous TV doctor in the Netherlands. I'm very excited that he's here with us, but he does a lot of things. He's one of the founders of the Influenza Hub, a treasurer of the European Scientific Working Group on Influenza, as well as we, uh, a former, of course, general practitioner and a researcher at the University Medical Center in Utrecht. And uh, also, well, he does so many things. I could go on and on. Uh, member of the su supervisory board of Demens, which is a large um, health institution in the Netherlands, in Deventer. So, yeah, excited to have you with us today. Welcome, Ted. Um, just jump straight into, uh, thank you. Just jump straight into our first question. My first question is, have communication challenges around vaccinations, uh, around vaccines, around influenza specifically changed since COVID-19? Yeah, I think considerably for the good and for the bad. The good thing is that uh, vaccination is on the um, on the table right now. But because of COVID, everybody knows what vaccines are and how it can help. And on the other hand, the anti-vax movement has been strengthened a lot. And that is around the <clears throat> COVID vaccine, but also for other vaccines. So that's hard to, to reach out to those people. As a matter of fact, uh, I stopped reaching out to anti-vax people because that's not very successful. Uh, but there's a lot of people having questions about vaccines and vaccination in general. And they ask, they, they want an answer. And they think they cannot get the good answers from the government sites or from the uh, CDC sites, and therefore they want a real person that is answering their questions. And that's something which is costs quite a lot of time, but is very can be very successful because they, when there's a real uh, discussion with your patient, I'd say as a doctor, uh, then you really can change their their minds. So uh, that has changed, and we are now all aware that we should really put emphasis on this discussion. Yeah, I think um, this is really key. And, and especially at the moment, we have the flu season. And I think there's a lot of confusion about the flu vaccine, COVID vaccine. Do they have anything to do with each other? People are slightly less used to because of the two years of kind of interruption of, of, of understanding. So, uh, the, and I think you're absolutely right. Uh, people are looking for information. They find institutional information difficult to understand and they really trust doctors. Um, so what do you think uh, people can do to help people to understand whether to take a vaccine, uh, the difference between the flu vaccine and the COVID vaccine, for example? You always have to start with the beginning. And that's for the general public as well as for journalists. Quite often I get questions from journalists. They want to write an article. And you have to start by the beginning to tell them what a vaccine does and what it doesn't and uh, what it does to your immunity and what helps and what not and what are side effects and not. So you have to start asking how far are you in your knowledge and why do you ask me this question? So. That's very important that you really listen to the person that is in front of you. That is sometimes quite hard on social media because people just yell something 
and then it's hard to really get to get uh, uh, close to them. But that is really necessary. I think that the the, the government sites are starting this information uh, thing on COVID quite well. I've never seen that many uh, messages from the government than during COVID. That's very interesting. And they used doctors as well as other healthcare professionals uh, to get this message around. And that was on TV, on radio, on uh, uh, posters, on whatever you mentioned. Um, so that's good that the government is, has started to give this kind of information about vaccination. And now I hope for the Netherlands they will do the same thing for other vaccines because uh, they never did so for the influenza vaccination. And that's the reason why we uh, started this influenza foundation in the Netherlands, because we said, well, you really should reach out to the public with your information. And the government was thinking, well, just send them leaflets uh, together with the invitation for the, for the flu vaccination, that's enough. And now we know that you have to do more than that and in different ways. So you have to do articles in newspapers, articles on websites, social media, um, but also giving them the opportunity to answer answers. I'm, I'm a vaccination doctor in a COVID center and I get a lot of questions there because there's this big sign, doctor, above me. And people come in and ask me questions and say, well, I'm pregnant. Is this possible to get a vaccine? I mean, they they could have read it about everywhere that there's no problem and still they want an answer from you. So. That's what I learned. Um, you have to be there where the questions are. Ted, a question. Um, so you're doing this in person in vaccination centers. You're doing this online. So you're obviously an influencer. Have you taken this online and doing the same on social channels? And if so, are you reaching different audiences on, on in different places? Of course, it's hard to measure, but uh, I'm on a weekly television show. Uh, that's especially for elderly people, 60 plus. And I get quite some reactions from there. Just people sending me direct messages with questions and so on. Um, on the other hand, there's a magazine of the same broadcasting company, uh, magazine, but she sent to all the people that are uh, members of this uh, society. That's a, a magazine which has some 250,000 copies every week. And I have a column in there, which also gives a lot of questions. And, the thing is, I'm not always talking about flu or vaccination, or whatever. I'm talking about general medical problems. And that makes me um, sort of recognizable as a GP. And then I can put in the vaccination uh, information as well. And that really works pretty well, I think. Um, and at least that's what I get back from the uh, reactions on social media. Yeah, and I think you said something very interesting. Um, you talked about listening, uh, which I think is key, whether it's face-to-face -face or online. Um, and, you know, because it's, it's these are complicated questions. And the difficulty, I think, with journalists, and especially on social media, is that you often don't have time to explain the, the, the full story. And actually, we have a question from Daniel. We, we had a few uh, hellos earlier. I want to bring back that question um, to check with you, which is... Um, I'm seeing plenty of flu cases appearing amongst my close friends and colleagues wondering, is this the case that COVID virus played a role in boosting somehow flu cases? Has COVID increased the number of flu cases? Do we even know that? Uh, uh, we don't know. We know that usually not all viruses appear on the same time. 
but now we see that the COVID epidemic is not closed yet and flu is starting and the RS virus is starting also. So you can find different sorts of viruses, respiratory viruses right now. Now for COVID, you can do the self-test, putting the thing in your nose, the swab, and then you know it's COVID. But for flu and for RS virus, that's not possible yet. And that would be really a big help because now people don't know what they have. They have symptoms. They might think they have a pneumonia or um, just a simple cold or a severe flu or COVID. And the only thing they can really do is get the swab in the nose and know if it's COVID or not. But if it's not COVID, perhaps it's something else. And it would really help if they get a diagnosis like, indeed, you've got flu. And then you do not need an antibiotic because antibiotics do not help for flu. So perhaps you don't even have to go to the doctor because you can wait a few days. Usually flu goes away, except when you belong to the risk groups, then you better go for a doctor to ask if there are any complications. So more diagnostics do really help to give people the idea of what is going on. And when it's a simple cold, they can just wait and see what happens. So yeah. um, that, that's something that should be developed. I really hope that there, there will be a swab, one swab where you can get three diagnoses if needed. But what's going around now is not only COVID, it's generally the simple cold, although in Eastern Europe, there's more flu already, in the United States also. And that's something that we really know quite well, how far the flu situation is, because that's in pilot stations in all countries. They really publish that also. And <clears throat> as soon as you know that the, the most important virus at the moment is flu, then you can sort of <clears throat> be aware that you have a 60% chance that your flu symptoms are really influenza. So a question actually, you know, are the flu cases on the increase right now? And do people need to get vaccinated more than usual? Or what's your recommendation on that right now? Indeed, the flu is starting a little bit earlier than we expected. Usually it's January, February, but now it's December already. And <clears throat> people think that they should be vaccinated let's say in October or November, but people are not aware that you can be vaccinated until the moment you get the flu. And that means that people that are afraid to get the flu can get a vaccine until that moment they will be sick. So um, you better go to the doctor if, or to the pharmacy if you want to have the flu vaccination. And you can go on until the end of the season, which is only in April next year. So that's something um, people are not aware of, but indeed flu is coming up right now, yes. But Ted, what if you don't know? Because in most of these countries, you know, you, you might have quite, like, like I did, uh, have had quite severe symptoms, but you don't know if it's the flu or if it's a, a bad cold, if it's another virus. So should you then still get vaccinated or not? Um, it doesn't, doesn't matter if you, you have the flu and get the vaccine, so you can still do that. And of course, you can go to a doctor and have a PCR taken from your nose. Then you might know if it's flu or not. But it does not have, you, it doesn't really help you at that moment because uh, if you have flu or COVID or RS virus, um, 
there are no specific medicines against that. Of course, for Corona there are, but that's only meant for the people with the, in the risk groups. And when you are healthy, then you don't need any anti-corona medicine. So there's not a really need for to know what you have, but it's good to know because then you are sort of more sure that you don't have to be afraid of other diseases. Right. We have another question on the flu vaccine, which is, um, can I get vaccinated now even while I still have the flu or should I wait a bit more? I think Justin probably has the flu right now. So The recommendation is that you should wait a little bit because when you have fever, you better not get the flu shots. That's one of the reasons to just make it uh, a few days later. Yes. Okay. Now, I, I want to ask you something about you know your expertise because obviously you're a doctor, um, but you're also a communicator. And you know a lot of the work you do is 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 not actually strictly focused on on patients, but really on communication. Um, how important do you think is it for doctors to learn to communicate um, and to communicate better in the light of of fake news and disinformation? Um, doctors are not getting any education about that, just about how to communicate with one patient. But then um, the patient that is in front of you and you communicate about this specific disease. But um, medical students are not getting any information about how to um, do deal with uh, social media, for instance. Like um, quite often that doctors are asked to appear in a program on TV or social media and they just refuse because they say, well, that's not my that's not my task. And I think it's a task for every doctor to appear on the marketplace, on TV, on radio, on social media, because doctors are the most trusted persons in this society. And so we really should use that position to communicate with uh, the society. But there's not enough uh, uh, education for that. Yeah, I think you, you're, you're right. And we've seen this again and again, which is a need for information, a, a great deal of trust, and then you know not enough access, a, a bit of fear from doctors to say, I don't want to go online because I don't want to be attacked. Uh, and I, it's confusing. It's full of fake news. Uh, we were involved with the IPA, the International Pediatric Association, with an online course that reached uh, about 5,000 uh, professionals. Um, and there was social media, listening, behavioral psychology. Uh, and, and, you know, what I read, they did an analysis of the, uh, the, the course feedback. Uh, doctors were really happy to get that training. I mean, they were saying this is a very useful part of the things that we need to learn. Uh, how do you think we can address this in the short term? Um, I mean, do you think that they need to make these part of the training, part of mandatory training? How can we, because I, I believe, you know, that this is probably one of the most important elements in, in getting better vaccination rates and better understanding. Um, and doctors are probably the most important part of the puzzle to, to, to get that across. So, so what kind of thing, how can we change the situation? Um, I, I'm not aware about the whole field, but I know about vaccination. It is true that doctors are learning that they should go onto the marketplace and reach out to the people that are on the market. That's done in the Netherlands for the, uh, especially the people with the migration background, because they have a low vaccination rate. 
and they go to the market. And doctors did go out there and really talked to the people on the market. And social media is another kind of market, of course. And we have learned that that really helps. And now we try to to get this into the uh, uh, curriculum. Um, but that's not that easy because there are many other doctors that want their subject in the curriculum. Um, for instance, vaccines and vaccination is not part of medical education, hardly part of medical education. So if you don't have the knowledge yourself as a doctor, how can you communicate about that? And that's for doctors so, but also for nurses, for instance. Um, when you look at the curricula for nurses in the Netherlands, at least, that's what I know, that there's hardly any information about vaccines. And that is the reason that as a Dutch Influenza Foundation, we start to, um, to make a course for nurses uh, on the basis of the ESNO publication. You know about, you're aware of the ESNO publication, of course, the European Specialized Nurses Organization, which made a very good um, guideline, which is in English, which can be a problem for Dutch speaking uh, uh, nurses. So we decided to get a translation for that, but not only get a translation, that's easy. I mean, you go to a translator and you get a translation, but also talk with Dutch nurses. What do you really want to know? And then we um, want to prepare a, a, a webinar or a, um, a PowerPoint that can be used in other situations. Uh, on the basis of this translated guideline with a lot of examples, how to deal with that with your patients. And that's something we try to promote. And we have the Dutch Union of Nurses helping us with this because um, the union was very afraid to go into the discussion of vaccines because there's a lot of anti-vaxxers in the nurses community. I don't know why, but it's true. Um, so. I think, well, this is sort of a gap we are trying to fill in as a Dutch Influenza Foundation. Um, and we really hope that this can make a difference. Yeah, and I think every time, you know, there's an effort to discuss, educate, inform, it moves the needle a little bit. Uh, my, my feeling is that a lot more of these discussions need to take place at a much higher level of priority and funding, because I think, you know, we're still not, out of the pandemic or out fully of the, the, the pandemic, there's still a, a great risk factor, but but you make some very, very interesting observations. Uh, now we're gonna go for some- We, we had the, our National Flu Shot Day uh, a few weeks ago, and we had Angus Thompson, Angus Thompson there, of course you know yeah. Angus, and he is a great communicator, I think, uh, on the subject of how to communicate um, uh, disinformation or um, misinformation. And the result was that there was a three-page article in a Dutch newspaper about this subject. And that was just the reason was that the journalist was invited to our meeting and listened to Angus and thought, well, this is something I have to write about. So in the general public, there's more attention for that, but we have to, to talk the, 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 well, just <laughs> sell them the Bible. Absolutely. We, we need to communicate about communication. Right. Um, now we have time for some, a few recommendations. So, Liora, your recommendation is directly connected to what we just discussed. Last week, you were at a digital pandemic discussion. So 
what was, is it all about? What, are you, what did you learn and what can you share with us? So on Wednesday, I was at the presentation of this report, the digital pandemic. And this is all about how digital social media um, spreads fake news around vaccines and vaccination. It's a really interesting report. It was a really interesting discussion with academia, um, pharma, and uh, lots of different stakeholders. And so it was very interesting. And a lot of things that you are saying uh, came out in that conversation as well. It's my recommendation that people read this report and the recommendations. The recommendations are very much towards governments, towards institutions, uh, educating children. In Finland, for example, there's a very good uh, program to teach uh, children critical thinking. How do you see if news is real? Uh, if it's fake, how can you tell those different things apart when we see, of course, a world where young children from the age of nine are on TikTok or on YouTube shorts uh, bombarded with all sorts of information? So how can they tell apart facts from fiction, uh, so to speak? But also, you know, what do they expect the platforms to do now with the Twitter takeover? That might be a little bit harder to uh, uh, happen, but uh, to, 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 but it was a very interesting conversation. Um, I said during that conversation that I believe that it's very much, we cannot just uh, focus on uh, tackling fake news. We have to proactively put a lot of positive uh, stories and, and, and engagements towards those different audiences, target them where they are, young people on TikTok, in the classrooms, um, on YouTube shorts, as I said, the elderly on TV with Stefan Essen, but also we see a large uh, especially 60 plus uh, on different platforms like Facebook as well, um, on Google. Um, so target each group and also specifically answers the concerns that they have because there is a 90%, according to the report, a 90% group of people that took all the, take all the vaccinations are pro-vax, let's say, but, and, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't communicate to them. It doesn't mean you shouldn't explain. It doesn't mean you shouldn't go into uh, the different questions that they have. A lot of my friends, for example, and, and, um, and other women are, are uh, worried about potential uh, effect on menstruation. That's a story that's been going around uh, in, in female communities. So let's address it. Let's proactively address it. What are the facts? Uh, why should we not be concerned? Um, and, 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 you know, that's, that's messages that we need to hear as, as women um, and pregnant women. Like you said, it's a whole different story. Why is it not dangerous for babies? Um, what, what are the facts? What are the stats? So target each group um, with their answering their specific questions on the channels that they are visible. And that's, a, that's what I added to that conversation. But very interesting. And uh, yeah, we, we cannot deny that fake news is a reality. Fake news as well as misinformation. And, and that we need to do everything we can to keep to address that large group of people that are either hesitant, but not negative yet. The, the group that is still very positive and that we make that we need to make sure that the negative group doesn't grow. Ted, how do you um, how do you see this? It's indeed a very interesting report. There's one thing. Um, the, 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 the nice idea is that you have to handle this like an epidemic of fake news. That it spreads around like the flu does and like Corona does. And you have to give a vaccine against this fake news. And then you have to repeat that again and again. And there are people that that make money out of the fake news. And so you really have to put effort into to change that. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, I was part of a, um, a, a short uh, movie um, around 
the vaccine, the COVID vaccine in the beginning of the uh, uh, corona pandemic. Um, we tried to find out if there was, if it really helps to debunk fake news. Because in general, it is said that you better not mention fake news again and again, because whenever you mention it, the, the message is going around again. But we made two versions of the same video, one that really debunks, for instance, one of the um, myths like getting autism from uh, vaccination. And the other one, we just said, well, that's not true. And, the, and then we did a pre and after uh, measurement and it turned out that debunking such a fake news very loud and clear by somebody who is trusted that really helped to change people's opinion. Now, so there should be really more of this kind of research, how to do, uh, how to deal with communication in this field. And there is <clears throat> a very big need to do so. Yeah, I think that the, the, the more intense the communication, uh, the more you get people to think and hopefully they don't just believe what you say, but they also start thinking more critically as Nero was saying, it's about education, a uh, very important topic. And hopefully, you know, somebody will write and continue to spread uh, those stories. Uh, now, my recommendation for this week is uh, actually a chat bot, um, which is called, it's a chat GDT, which has been discussed uh, all over the web. Uh, it's an open AI, it's like an experiment. You can go to it, you can test it. And I've got to say, it's, it's pretty impressive. You can just ask a question on a topic. You can say, can you please write uh, a love poem for my wife? Here are three things you, I want in them. And uh, what it produces is quite astounding. Uh, um, so, no, Ramola found out how you wrote her love poem for your anniversary. I, I, I wrote a beautiful poem and uh, I shared it with her from the bot, but the bot knows <laughs> us better than we do. Uh, and I also checked what do you, you know, recommendations on flu. Which looked quite straightforward, but I, that that you can see, you know, that it kind of crawls the web for, for, I would say, validated information. But it does things that are quite astounding. So uh, I think this is quite amazing. And if you read about it, you'll see that a lot of stories have been, uh, you know, people testing it, asking it for different queries. So with that, uh, that's all we've got time for today. Um, I hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. Uh, Ted, thank you so much for spending time with us and for your very uh, useful advice, but also your amazingly important work, because of course, everything you're doing helps people to better understand this. And it's, you know, more people doing the work you do that is really, I think, critical at this point. So thank you. Have a great weekend. For having me. Thank you. And keep it, let's stay in touch. See you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See you online.